Hey, what's going on, everyone? So I want to take a quick second before the podcast starts to let you know that registration is officially open for Modern Musician's sixth annual Success with Music virtual conference. The theme this year is merging technology with humanity, and we talk a lot about AI, hand-selected 15 speakers who are the best in the world at what they teach, all around building a sustainable career with your music. We'll be speaking with music mentors who've coached multi-platinum songwriters, people who've helped artists hit over 1.2 billion streams, and from people who've taught artists how to generate over seven figures of sync placements. We're on track to make this our biggest event to date, so I want to make sure that you have a chance to register so you don't miss it. And all the details are included in the link in the description, so don't wait. Pause the episode now. Go claim your free ticket. The event's going to be incredible. I can't wait to see you there. It's totally free, so go ahead and sign up. And now let's get into the episode. Like it's just, it was just a fantastic discovery and I would have gone that route. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it with artists. It's man, cause we're tired. Like sometimes we're tired of working our jobs all day. You get home, you're tired. You don't want to write songs. It's hard to get in the studio. You're exhausted. But with cover song gigs to make $75,000 a year. And some of the, I've seen people literally with this much talent make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like literally that not even, you don't have to be the best. You just have to be good enough. But most people just don't even know that it's an option. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. We have an awesome presentation here lined up with my good friend, Christine Morell. So Christine is an indie artist and entrepreneur. It's been featured in major commercials for Mercedes and Heineken. Uh, She performed for the National Anthem at the Dodger Stadium been highlighted on Fox, NBC, and the CW. She was actually a finalist on The X Factor herself for her own music. She does have a super inspiring life journey and life story that goes everywhere, you know, originally working in a tortilla factory in her childhood, overcoming a lot of adversity to being able to travel six continents worldwide, sharing her music and her life and her story around the world. Now she's here and <clears throat> she has an awesome presentation lined up that's really about an opportunity that every single musician has essentially. And it's something that really aligns with if your goal is to grow an audience and be recognized for your original music, it's not a it's not a shocker or a surprise that one of the best ways to improve your craft is by like performing live, right? And so many of the greatest artists of all time, like the Beatles, they got their start by playing playing a lot of live performances and playing cover shows. And it's also a great way to monetize your music. And Christine has a lot of expertise and even an agency where she helps musicians get booked for these gigs, sometimes on like cruise ships and really cool opportunities. Christine, th- thank you again for, uh, for coming on here live and for taking the time to be here today. Awesome, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So <clears throat> how about we kick things off with anyone who this is their first time meeting you and, and they haven't connected with you yet. Maybe you could introduce yourself briefly and share the, the actual story <laughs> that, that doesn't involve getting raised by pigs. Sure, sure. I grew up in a, a small town in New Mexico and I just was in love with music and I wanted to, I just had this dream of doing music for a living. And I always thought that you were either like super like popular and rich or you were broke. And I didn't know that there was like a place in between where you didn't have to be famous. Like, even if that's our goal to be famous, right? We'd be pursuing that while also making money. And I didn't know that, but I still went out and tried to make that happen. I was knocking on doors for about eight years. I used to sell my music going door to door and like sing on people's doorsteps. And that's how I survived. And I sold, I I sold a lot of merchandise and I was like, selling music on MySpace, if you guys remember MySpace. So I was I had a really good following on MySpace and and just built everything organically. And I didn't have money. I didn't have resources. I didn't know anybody. So I had to really build my career just through blood, sweat, and tears. And then built, eventually got to this point where I was traveling all over the world and six continents and 2,500 shows later and sold thousands of albums and millions of streams online and just had a really awesome time. And then now I just focus on mainly helping other musicians accomplish their goals. We have so many resources now that I didn't have that Michael, you didn't have when you were doing music. Like right now is like the most amazing time that 
artists can be independent, make money, travel, do whatever it is that they want to do. Like right now, there has never been so many more resources for artists. So it's an exciting time. So I'm excited to be a part of it. And really awesome of you to put this on, Michael. This is huge for everybody here. So I hope everybody knows that, that this here, this is so awesome of Michael to do for all the artists here and to provide this opportunity for everybody to learn. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, we've been talking about that throughout the conference, just how much of a blessing it is to be able to bring on people like you to be able to share your really like your entire life experience in a way that is going to create all these ripple effects. And it literally helps you avoid making the same mistakes that we've already made together <laughs> collectively so that we can yeah save a lot of time and energy and heartache by doing things right the first way. It's pretty awesome. Along those lines, maybe we can get started talking about the idea of really one of the biggest challenges. I think and I know that you hear this all the time because it's, as a musician, the reason I became a musician was because we have a passion for making music and it probably wasn't because we were thinking like fastest way to make as much money as possible. <laughs> making music, that's the idea, right? For, for a lot of us, that wasn't really like the main thing, but we guess what? We live in a society that like we need money in order to sustain our craft, in order to focus our time and our energy like on our passion. We need to be able to make income. And being a musician, it can be really challenging figuring out how do I actually monetize this and, and turn it into a career. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the opportunity that, that comes with playing live paid gigs and why it's something that musicians should at least consider for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. We know it's expensive to record songs, to produce songs, to do music videos, to tour, or to just do anything in music. It's, it's definitely not like, we, we, most of us do it because we're passionate about it. And I think most of us would be happy if we could just make a living from it. But so I discovered this when I was, I spent the first like eight to 10 years just doing original songs and I made enough money to survive, but I, like, we didn't have a lot of the resources that we had. I didn't have the education and the things that I know now to get by. So yeah, I was surviving. I was making a living off my music. I didn't have to have another job, but it, it was still, I was worried about a lot of things. And I, it was like high, really high highs and really low lows. And so there was a point where I got a call and they were like, hey, there's this piano in this lobby and you should go in and you should see if they'll hire you to play. I was thinking, hey, sure, of course I will. So I went in and they asked me to audition and they said, what songs do you know? And I only knew original songs and they were basically what venues do. So what a lot of people don't know is let's say you're building a, your original career and it can take you a while to be able to like sell enough tickets to a venue to actually make money at a show and most venues you have to sell tickets and in fact if many of you guys live in la you know that if you don't sell a certain amount of tickets they won't even let you perform or you owe them money so you actually owe them money to perform but a lot of these venues if they already have a crowd let's say a restaurant a bar a casino if they already have 100 people or 300 people show up a night the people are already there they just need entertainment. And for you, if you're just starting out, it's an amazing opportunity for you to make money right away because it costs money for you to produce music. It costs money for you to run ads. It costs money for you to create merchandise to sell. And the fastest way you can make money is to jump on stage, but you have to provide some sort of value to the venue. You can't just say, I'm gonna sing a song about my cat that had leukemia. And then you have this like sad singer songwriter song when the whole crowd wants to dance. And usually if a venue already has, like if it's a casino and they already have 200 people there, or if it's a bar and they already have hundred people there, they're willing to pay you if you can keep those people dancing and singing and hanging out. Cause those people might bar hop and they might leave, but if they like the entertainment, they are not leaving. And so they, a lot of them have budgets and anywhere from 200 to $1,500 for just a small venue is very common. And for most artists to be able to make, let's say on average two to $500 a night, you can easily make seventy-five dollars to $100,000 a year. And a lot of artists don't know that, but the trade-off is here is that you sing cover songs, but the money comes in so quickly that you're able to invest that into your original music. You're able to invest that into your music videos. You can run ads. Your program is so awesome. You show them how to run ads and put them in funnels. Like you can have more money to put into those types of things. So it works so well as like a business plan. And so for me, continuing my story, when I got there to the venue and they said, what songs do you know? I knew one song and I knew one song by Amy Winehouse, Rehab, try to make it go to rehab. I said, so I was like, that's the one song I knew. So I played it and I was like, please don't ask me to sing another song. And the guy goes, oh, that was so great. Can you sing another song? I didn't know any other songs. So I was like, <laughs> I just totally BS. And I was like, look, I'll tell you if the crowd, let's say they're like 
super quiet and it's like more jazzy night and they're like sipping on champagne i'll sing the song like this so i slowed the song down and i sang the same song and then he was like oh that's great and i just kept talking and i was like yeah and if they want to dance i'll sing it like this so i kept singing the same song over and over again in different styles our conversation just started and finally he goes you know what? i'll give you the gig it pays i think it was like 225 or 250 a night plus tips you start in two weeks and you got to perform for three hours so I went home and I just learned like three songs a day or something like that was how I like went out. And it ended up turning into, I ended up making $75,000 a year. I ended up performing there for two years. And that was just more money than I had ever made. And I was able to put that money into my original music. I was able to shoot awesome music videos, like higher production type things. I was able to know that I had money coming in, something that was like I could count on. And so it was just a really cool thing that I really wish I had known when I started. Because I would have gone that route. I would have gone cover songs while simultaneously building my original music career because I would have known that there was money coming in and I didn't have to worry about so many people are working jobs that they don't like. So many people here are working in a department store, or maybe working at a restaurant or something, and that's not our dream job. It's amazing to be on stage. And even if your goal is to do original music, it's amazing to be able to make that money to put into your original music. And you can still sing your original songs. If they fit in with the way that the energy is, you can still sing it. And you can sell your merchandise, you can sell your posters, you can get people's email, put them in your email list. Like it's just, it was just a fantastic discovery. And I would have gone that route. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it with artists. It's man, because we're tired. Like sometimes we're tired of working our jobs all day. You get home, you're tired. You don't want to write songs. It's hard to get in the studio, you're exhausted. But with cover song gigs, to make $75,000 a year, and some of the, I've seen people literally with this much talent make $100,000 a year. Like literally, the, not even, you don't have to be the best, you just have to be good enough. But most people just don't even know that it's an option. And so that's why I'm like, it's an option, consider it, it's amazing. <laughs> that, it's, it's a huge opportunity, because I think that... One thing that I think could hold back people initially, like when they hear, I don't want to like play, I don't want to be a cover artist. I don't want to play other people's songs. And maybe what they might not realize is that this is actually one of the best ways to hone your craft at the same time as you're getting paid to essentially practice, but like the best kind of practice, the practice that's in front of a live audience. So yeah, it just, it seems like it's so complimentary to, as a, performing artist and or like a singer songwriter like you're if you're looking at getting as much leverage as possible and what should you focus your time on live performance is something that's going to ripple out into your entire music career yeah whether it comes to any sort of live performance being on stage performing for other people even just like the personal ability to manage your like kind of nerves and fears you're out to go on stage and perform is super valuable but also, if you're becoming a better performing artist, then that's going to help you when it comes to recording new songs. Like you're going to become a better instrumentalist, better at playing your the, playing the songs. Also, when it comes to songwriting, if you're covering popular songs, then you're going to be getting all of the wisdom and all the collective time of discovering here's these are really good songs, and it's, that's going to impact your own songwriting. You're going to become a better songwriter because you're going to start to hear like the patterns as you're playing all these hit songs. So it just seems like it's so complimentary, and it's not necessarily something that, especially if you like compare it to like also go get like a day job that's totally unrelated to yeah. music, and I don't really enjoy it that much, or I could get paid to play music, to be honing my craft and getting experience and then just a lot more aligned than than working a day job. It seems like a really awesome opportunity. One one question I saw that came in that was a really good one was where do, how do you find how do you find these gigs to make money performing the songs? Like where do you get started if you're like okay, cool, this I'm sold. This is a good opportunity. I want to get started. What's like the first step? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. There's work that you need to do before you reach out, mm -hmm. right? You know, if you wanted to be a doctor, you're not going to go straight to the, like the hospitals are there. That's where you get the job, but you go to college first, right? So there's different <laughs> things you got to learn how right. you got to learn the skills of what's required to do it. There's mm -hmm. actually usually three things that, that I say in order. First is you got to put together your set list and you have to have a really killer set list. And a lot of that can be done really simply just by Googling. If you put like top, I, I like, I tell everyone, if you put top wedding band songs, it's great because you're going to get a variety of stuff that people like to sing along to, stuff that people like to dance to, stuff that DJs play. And then you also get some loves thrown in there. So those types of things or top dueling piano songs. I don't know if you guys here have ever been to a dueling piano bar. I used to be a dueling pianist. 
our job was to make people sing all night and sing-along songs are like the best, like you make so much in tips. I've made thousands in a night in tips, thousands of dollars in tips in one night. That's, to me, there's just, what what better opportunity for you to, you're getting rewarded for your ability to entertain. So you're like, you become this amazing entertainer when it becomes to this point where you're never even nervous getting on stage. So top dueling pianos, that's another great thing you could Google. Just top cover songs of, and then you, Think of, I like to put together a pretty good variety of styles. I like to do Motown is really good. American Songbook is another, those are like the Tom Petty, like free falling songs <laughs> like they get people singing along or American Pie. And then you get into what's popular now, like dance songs and those types of things. But I will say most of the venues that have high budgets, like casinos that pay 4,500 to $10,000 a night. And this is, you don't have to have a song, guys. You don't have to have any followers. Like you don't have to have, you don't have to have gone viral. They don't care. They already have the crowd there. They just need a great entertainer. $4,500 to $10,000 a night. Most people have not made $10,000 in a year off of their music. So it's a those types of things. Motown, I, I will say like, again, some of the songs that like bring in more money that the venues want to hire you to come perform for are a little bit older, like 70s, 80s. You think of like Journey, you think of those types of things are really great Prince, Michael Jackson, funky stuff, like those types of things, Casey and the Sunshine Band, like really fun stuff. But you can definitely play like new stuff. I'll do everything from Calvin Harris, Rihanna, Beyonce. I even get into rap music. Like I'll do Sir Mix a lot. Like I do fun stuff, Spice Girls, just like funny stuff to like make people laugh. And that's at the end of the night. I never do that at eight o'clock. But if it's like midnight, people have had a little bit to drink. I'll go straight into, I like big butts and I cannot lie. These other brothers can't. People, oh my God. It's hilarious. Like everyone will be singing along all ages, dancing and stuff. So it's really fun. And it brings out the ser takes away the seriousness. Sometimes I think that we have that pressure to sing perfect or rap perfect or dance perfect. So it's really fun to, to do that. Um, definitely first that set list, you got to get that down together. And I do recommend you can have a band or if you're a solo artist, you can definitely sing to tracks. If you are just a singer, I do recommend getting a partner that plays either piano or guitar or something like that. Those usually just get booked more if you have, because if you're just singing with tracks, that's karaoke, it's possible, but it's not as like easy to book. So that's step one. The second step, you need to make a promo video. This is the most important thing you can do. You don't need a website. You don't need a resume. You don't need any of those things. I recommend having them. But if you're like, I got to make money now, I want to do this right now your promo video will be the most valuable thing that you could possibly make. And basically what it is, you take about four or five songs that you think you sing really well, or you perform really well, <clears throat> and you sing or perform about 30 seconds of each of those. So you don't want your promo video to even be bigger than two minutes. And you just chop it up and you just have, you might have brown eyed girl. And then the next song might be an Adele song. The next song might be a Beyonce song. And then the last song might be a Motown, The Temptations. And so you vary it up and you have that two minute video. That's going to be the most important thing that an agent or a venue is going to look at. They're going to go, this is awesome. I want to book them for this. A lot of times they're getting so many submissions. They don't have time to go through your website and go through like they don't have time. They would rather just see it. And a lot of times, like I sit there with agencies, we go through things we know within the first 20 seconds. So put your best stuff right off the bat. Don't have this like long intro of someone starting from the stars and slowly going through. That's great for music videos and stuff, but for your promo video, they just want to know, can you entertain our crowd? Cool, done. And you could be booking an amazing paid gig. And then the last thing, finding venues, go to Yelp. This is what I always recommend. Go to Yelp, or if you're international, whatever classified websites that you have, type in venues with live. No, don't type in venues. I'm sorry. Don't type in venues with live music. Type in bars with live music, casinos with live music, country clubs with live music, restaurants with live music. The reason why you don't want to put in venues with live music is because you might get like big arenas, big venues, and they require you to sell tickets. And if you're not at that place where you have thousands of fans or hundreds of fans coming to your shows, that doesn't count for you because they're not going to pay you. Whereas restaurants, they have budgets already to pay you. And if you just call restaurants, you don't know if they have live music or not. So you don't want to do that. That's why you want to put restaurants with live music, bars with live music, casinos with live music. They already are paying artists. They already are paying bands. Now all you got to do is call them, ask them who does your booking, get their email, get their phone number, ask them where to send your promo video. Or if you can come in and play for free for three songs. Hey, can I come in and audition? 
Can I come in and talk to you? And so those types of things are going to be really valuable. Those are the three steps that you have to do. And most people skip the first two and they just go to the last one and they're like, oh, you book paid shows. You should hire me. And they're like, okay, I need a promo video. I need your set list. I got to see what you do. I got to hear what you do. But that's what I recommend. It's pretty simple. It's not too difficult, but most people just don't know that kind of order of things. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of music mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. It's super helpful. Yeah, no, because I think that it kind of strips away a lot of the confusion or like unnecessary things and just goes, look, you don't need all the bells and whistles. Really just like having that one promo video that sort of illustrates it. So I'd love to dive like a little bit into that video and like how you'd recommend putting that together. But I also can just confirm like with, with Paradise Fears, I remember one of, the, this actually might've been the highest paid gig that we ever did was from the Mohegan Sun Casino. And like we, we played some headlining tours that like sold out shows and, and those usually made like a few thousand dollars from like tickets, but we got paid $11,000 for a single Mohegan Sun Casino show. And they gave us like 11 hotel rooms at the, there's six of us in the band. We're like, what do you think that we need all these extra yeah. hotel rooms for? But definitely, yeah, like casinos, yeah, clearly like casinos, they have a lot of money because like they are like money generating machines. But, oh, um, but that's such a good point too, that I think Adam Ivy might've been the one who was talking about this yesterday about soft gigs versus like hard gigs and like hard gigs. I think that he was the one who was describing this, like hard gigs is like when you sell your own tickets to the shows and you get paid in your own tickets, but soft gigs, you don't have to worry about selling the tickets and they're bringing in their own audience. And yeah, like that's, if you don't have an audience yet, then that can be a way to start getting real experience and making real revenue. That's going to be able to sustain you in the meantime. Awesome. So when it comes to the promo video, so if they're putting together this promo video and maybe the question is, what would you recommend in terms of what are best practices for creating a really great promo video that kind of like cuts through the noise and that does not get ignored within the first 15 to 20 seconds? What do you personally, because I know that you're also like on the receiving side of these. So what do you personally look for that makes one of these videos really compelling? Yeah, that's a super great question. So what I recommend for your promo videos is it's not a music video. So don't send your music video that's been auto-tuned and all beautiful and you have wind or whatever. <laughs> don't do that. You just want something simple. The simpler, the better. You can absolutely shoot it on your cell phone. Make sure you're in a quiet place. It doesn't have to be live, but I would recommend if you're a solo performer and you're like, let's say you're playing guitar and singing or you're playing piano and singing, something like that, do it live. 
because it will, it's going to be great. The person, if they can hear you and say, this is what this person sounds like without auto-tune, without the fog and the pyrotechnics or whatever it is, <laughs> without dancers, without, if this is how they sound, then I know they're going to sound great on my stage. So you want it as simple as possible. Now with the band, this is what I will say, okay? If, if you have a band, listen to this. Because the first promo video that I ever did, I had a band. I tried to do it live. I like mic'd all the drums. I had a whole engineer. I mic'd everybody. I just mic'd everybody. I'm like, we're going to do the whole thing live. Absolute disaster. And it cost me like $7,500 because I had to hire everybody out. It was so expensive. And then I had to mix and master it. And then it all the things didn't come right. And then, of course, we had to keep reshooting it to try to get a good take. If it wasn't perfect, it just didn't feel good. So it was hard. So what I actually recommend now, what I've done anytime I've done a promo video with bands, we pre-record everything with the band. And by the way, what I've done too, just to make it simple for you guys, I don't even pre-record all the instruments. I'll just get a track and take something that I already know is already done because I don't have to do it. And then I just record my vocals over it. And then I get a band together and we pretend to perform it. Now you have to make sure that your band can actually play because you don't want to show them this amazing video and then you show up and it's like a bunch of kids playing on the honka. Or it's unplugged. <laughs> yeah, a, little, a triangle. But like you obviously you have to be able to perform and bring it. But for the video, you don't want to spend $7,500 on a video. That's just too much when you can literally just record it in a home studio, get it and already take a track that you like, maybe you're doing whatever songs, whatever song that you're singing take the track, just record over it, and then everyone pretend to play. And that just makes it so much easier. So you don't have to do all those things. That's just what I prefer. But my band members are like kick-ass. They're amazing. So we actually sound better live than what we even do on the track, but it's just too much time to try to get them all in to record everything. So I recommend if you're going to do a band type setting, then just pre-record everything. And then you can just record it and not have to worry about having microphones set up and then mixing and mastering. And then what if the take Maybe one microphone didn't quite pick up the drums very well. So now you just have all of the other instruments. Like you just, there's all these things that could possibly go wrong. And then if you have to reshoot it and get everybody back together again, get the location again, I mean, it's going to be a really mm -hmm. pain, but I highly recommend doing something like that. Like just if you're a solo performer, do it live if you can, because that's going to be great. That's easy to do. You can set up a PA or you can even do it acoustically if it's quiet enough. But if you have a full band, just pre-record it. And you can do very simply, guys. This could be in your living room. It could be in your garage. Obviously, it shouldn't be like, it shouldn't look like you're at like a garbage disposal place. But do make sure it's clean and nice. But I've shot plenty of things just in like my living room. And one good tip that I will share too. This is a good one. Because maybe you're like, you know what? I don't quite have a venue. I don't really know where to perform. So what I did with one of my first videos was I booked a show. And I asked the venue if I could film a video there. But what I said was, hey, I would love to film our band performing here and I'll use it to promote our shows because they were going to have us performing there every Friday or maybe at that time it was just once they're going to have us. But I said, look, I'll use this and then you can use it to invite people to come see us on Fridays too. So it was cool because I got the venue for free. And you can usually, if you're renting a venue, that can cost $1,000 to rent a venue for the day. But I got the venue for free and then the venue got footage so they could promote their Friday night live music I got footage and now I could also use that footage to not only promote Friday, but I can now send this to booking agents and other venues and other places and say, hey, look at what we sound, look at what we look like. And I have this beautiful venue that I didn't have to pay for. So that's how I got around having a rent hit. Yeah. And that's, that's so smart too. And just to zoom out and for everyone watching this to make sure that you didn't miss this part. We were talking with Brie Noble about how when it comes to influencing yourself or motivating yourself to do something, it's like you focus on the benefits for yourself and, you, and then you also focus about like the negatives or the pain if you don't do the thing. But that's actually the same way that you like motivate or you influence like other people as well as you focus on the benefits. So notice how when she was approaching those venues, she didn't say, hey, can I please record this video because I want to you promote myself and do all this stuff for me. She thought about them and thought about yeah, what is the benefit for them? Oh, hey, is it okay if I record this video that's going to help me promote these Friday nights and bring more people into your establishment? Just totally different question just because of that that under, that focus and that perspective on how can I focus on the value and the benefits for the other person? Super smart. And, and I can definitely speak to the recording recording yourself perform as a band I, w one of our promo videos that we did once that that turned out really good was a live performance video 
that we recorded and it was an actual live performance. But then afterwards we went back and added in the actual song behind it. And because we were playing with a click track in, in our ears, so it was on time. So we could sync it up with the actual song, right? So it was in, in sync. So that's one thing that, that if you guys are in a band and you're playing live shows and you have some social proof or you have a crowd that's like singing along or like really into it, then you can get that recording and put like the really nice audio recording along with it. And now you also kind of have that social proof element too of everyone that's at the crowd, like having a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge one. A lot of people ask that. Can I put shows that I've performed in? Is that okay? And if you didn't perform with the live track, it's still possible to be able to use it. You just don't want it where it was like your homie, like in the back, who's like also drinking. And so the camera was looking like this and then there's hands and then there's people talking. You want the audio to be good. So if you are going to try to use something like from a live performance where maybe it doesn't sync up with your music, then you can still use it, but just make sure that it's something that still highlights you well. And sometimes it's worth it to just hire someone to come in. And I've, I've put some in the past, I put Craigslist ads. Hey, does someone have a nice camera that wants to shoot something? There's plenty of people out there that maybe just bought a really nice camera, have some really nice lenses and want to go film something cool. And hey, I'll give you 50 bucks. Just come out and film my performance tonight. That's worth it to have something like that. So I, I would recommend that too. If you have a cool show coming up, make sure you get some footage. That footage will be very valuable in booking future shows. Awesome. Super helpful. So if I remember right, I think that you said there was three steps that you're going to walk through and maybe step number two was about getting the promo video recorded. So what was step number three? The step three was what I mentioned about going on Yelp to actually find the venues. So searching bars with live music, casinos with live music. And just to add on that, I usually make a spreadsheet and I write down each of the venues and I write down who I've contacted. You normally, it normally takes a while to find the owner or whoever it is that is booking the agent. So you might want to have, I usually have a color code. Like I usually use like green if I got a hold of somebody, but I need to follow up and then I have a little note like, follow up or, Hey, the person wasn't in that day. They said to call back Tuesday at two o'clock, those types of things. So then I can see my progress and see who I've reached out to, how many venues I've reached out to, who I've contacted and that sort of thing. So I keep like a spreadsheet of something like that. And then in my emails, when I reach out to them, I keep it really simple. You don't want to send like a full biography. Like I was born here and I love walking down the beach and I was raised by pigs or whatever. You don't really need to put all that in there because again, they're just, they're busy. They get tons of submissions. They get all those things. So I would keep it. What I usually do when I respond to them, I go, what do they care about? Back to what you were talking about. What benefits them? So I say, Hey, my name's Christine Merle. I'm a senior pianist. I'm great with everything from jazz type of nights to getting people singing and dancing all night till two o'clock in the morning. I cover everything from Prince and Michael Jackson to Beyonce and Justin Bieber. This is a big one. Put who you cover. Like these are the artists that I cover. And, and if you've performed other places, Hey, I also perform at Bob's bar. I also perform at Sally's pub or whatever it is, or maybe you're doing private shows. I've done weddings. I've done this and that, and would love to perform at your venue. And that's can be like one short paragraph. So you let them know that you have a little bit of experience, or if you don't have any experience, just leave that out. And you can just let your video speak for itself and just let them know, Hey, this is the style of music that I do. And here's my video and send them a link. Don't send them attachments. I will say that is a big mistake. Never send attachments, always send links because if I'm getting a hundred emails a day and having to choose what artist I want to book, I don't want to download a hundred videos. I don't want to download a hundred, another hundred resumes. Don't do that. Make sure everything is in link form. Everything's a streaming video that they can go watch. If you have it on YouTube and you don't want the world to see it, put it as unlisted, but just make sure that it's, you just want it to be as convenient as possible for them. And if they're in the middle of the dentist office and they happen to pull up open your email at that time you want to make it easy as easy as possible for them to see that you're awesome because they may just be busy and they go eh, i'm busy and then they forgot about you and they don't see how awesome you are and now you lost the game not because you're not amazing but just because they were busy doing something and you sent them a long bio and they couldn't even get to the links and had attachments and they had all that stuff so those are things that you just want to keep in mind like those are the don't do that when you contact them yeah, that's so good. And it reminds me of Chris SD yesterday was talking about in the context of recording music for sync, how one of the mistakes a lot of times is we like put way too much 
into the song, like the arrangement is just like 10 different instruments in one. So it's almost like you're cooking a meal and like you throw the cake in with the turkey and like you mix it all into one thing and it just doesn't, it's too much. And actually this process of kind of like zooming out and taking out ingredients until you're left with less, but it's actually like way better. Um, And it sounds like what you're saying is that the same thing applies to when you're reaching out to, to venues or to, for opportunities for these gigs that one tendency or one mistake is to try to include your whole life story and way too much in a single email and it's like too much and so it just gets overwhelming when actually sometimes less is more and if you just had strip it away and just get to the point and share what are the benefits for them what's in it for them and focus on their point of view then that's going to really help you cut through the noise yeah absolutely and you know what i wanted to add actually too so i i had one of my good friends his name is Frankie Moreno. Most people don't know him. Most people have never heard of his music. He holds the number one world record for number ones ever of all time. Okay. He's wow. beat out Drake. He's beat out Madonna, Beyonce, Stevie Wonder, all the people that you know. How does a person who nobody knows have the number one record for number ones? The way he did this. So I knew him 12 years ago before he had ever even charted any. He had nothing. He had nothing charting and had never charted nothing. And I used to go see him in like little smoky bars at the casino here in Vegas. And I just thought he was a great entertainer. He was so good with people. He talked to everybody. He got everybody's phone number. He reached out to you individually to invite you to his shows. And I remember thinking, I don't think this is him texting me. There's no way he's texting everybody. And then when I'd get there, everyone's like, yeah, he texts us all. Like, so there was all Frankie and Reno groupies. And I was really impressed by how much time he gave to all of the people that came to see him. And I remember there'd be like 20 people in the room. But then all of a sudden there's 40 people, 80 people, hundred people. And he was only singing cover songs, but he would throw in an original song every now and then, but he was getting these shows and he was getting paid and he was building his email list. He was building his contact list. I saw that he had albums for sale. Now he spent years doing this, accumulating emails, asking everybody. Now, just a few years later, he starts headlining at the Palms Casino, okay, which is a 300 person venue just within a year is headlining at stratosphere which is a huge room like 600 people i think it was now he performs all over the world he does no cover songs he doesn't have to anymore he built his community so big that now he only does original songs he doesn't do a single cover song at all but he got paid to build his list he got paid to become an amazing performer and he got paid to where the point where he his list was so big that when he started releasing music George was, no, Toby Keith held the world record. It was 45 number ones. That's Billboard and Apple Music. So just to give you guys some context. So that means the most number ones out of Billboard and Apple Music. When he started releasing original music, Toby Keith had 45 number ones over the entire span of his lifetime. Frankie Moreno beat every human being that exists within 18 months because he started putting out his original songs like this. He started putting out a song a week. His email list was so big and they bought, cause it's not based on streaming, it's based on sales. So they bought and they bought and they bought that he's at, the last time I talked to him, which was probably three months ago, he was already at 55 number ones. He's probably at like 65 now. He's just like, I just want to leave so many number ones that there's no way anybody could ever beat me. And mm-hmm. so the work that he put in, now he just does original songs. So that's why I say this is such a good plan. Like whether you just want to do cover songs and make a living or whether you want to do original songs, it's such an amazing plan to have money because he had the money to continue to live and he didn't have to have another job. He just did his own music and they built this email list and this fan base that is like diehard. He performs all over the world. He tours all and he just does, he just did Carnegie Hall multiple times, like huge orchestra arrangements and everything. He's just crushing it and has beat every major artist out there. And most people don't even know who he is. But he didn't have to go and get on a big TV show. He didn't have to go to PR. He doesn't have to be on any anything. He doesn't even want to. He's not even on the radio. He built his fan base and they buy from him every time he releases songs because he built that email list, which is the most valuable thing that we could possibly have, be able to email and contact our fans. So I think that's a huge thing for people to keep in mind as they think about their plan, their business plan as a musician. 100%. That's a really cool story. And just a great example of everything you're talking about in practice of starting with this opportunity to get paid while you hone your craft. It, it's it, one thing that I would love to dive into because I think that one 
like you just mentioned, one key component of his success, because there's a lot of artists who perform cover gigs and maybe they like make a good living their whole lives, right? Like they make a six-figure income for 10 years playing cover gigs, but maybe they haven't written 55 number one hit songs because they might not have had the same strategy and the focus on what he was doing to really leverage those shows and, and actually build his audience and build a contact list to be able to stay in touch with those people. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that step after someone starts playing these shows and booking these gigs. What are some tips or advice for them to really leverage this opportunity so that they can build a deeper relationship with those people who are at the shows? Yeah, there's a few really good ways. So one is like what I talked about. Frankie actually walked around individually to people. Like you, Mm. he was just this likable person because he took time, like on his breaks, he didn't go sit in the back. He took time off. He was still working. He was walking around, talking to people, building these relationships. So he got everyone's phone number. He sent them, took a picture together. Like he, we have a picture, really created this personal connection with anybody, with everybody there. Huge. He would, he'd be taking shots with people. He just, he was so (laughs) friendly and he just went over the top. He would stick around afterwards and hang out. Like he just really made everyone feel like he really enjoyed the, even just creating the community. So that was something that I really noticed right off the bat. Cause as a musician, I was thinking, People just buy your music when I first started, but then I saw, no, that's not the case. That's not what it is. They buy things from people that they like. They support people that they like. And he was just such a likable person. And so two, the next thing you can do, and this is a really big one, when you take requests. So I usually kept like a request sheet. So I put all the songs that I knew so that people could see, hey, these are the songs she knows. I can request that. And I would keep that sheet, but you also can keep an additional sheet that they can write on that has their name and asks for their email and then the song that they want to hear. So then whenever they sign up and you can even ask for their phone number, you can immediately get, you can be getting dozens of emails a night and adding that into your email. If you have MailChimp or active campaign or whatever it is that you use. So there's a second way to get emails. The third way is if you have your funnels built out, if you have a lead magnet where you're like, I have this free song and on the mic, you can say, go to mine is grabmysong.com. That's what I say. It's really easy. If you have a domain set up to a funnel where you're giving away a song for free, you can just tell everyone, Hey guys, if you had a really great time tonight, I would love to give you one of my songs for free. So go to grabmysong.com. And you can also do something where you say, and I'm going to pick one person and we're going to have a shot tonight. Now, if you don't drink, mm-hmm. it could be, I'm going to give you an album or, Hey, I'm going to give you a signed poster or, Hey, you can come to my next show. We're doing this big show at such place. I'll give you and your friends VIP, something cool to where the audience wants to go sign up right now. And then you can on the microphone say that it's a great opportunity if you have that set up too. So those are three awesome ways. Walk up to everybody individually, grab as much as you can, take a picture, phone number, that sort of thing. And then second, have your request sheets with that option where they can request a song, but then where they can put their email. And then third, have your funnel built out to where you have a website where you're capturing their email addresses and you're giving them something and that you can call that out easily from a microphone. And you can do that when you're on radio. You can do that when you're on stage. It's just a great thing to have because you can capture their emails and you're giving them something for free. So it gives them initiative rather than join my email list because that just sounds like let me spam you. (laughs) You don't want that. Nobody's like, yay, I want spam. That's not like an exciting thing. But if they like you, they're going to want your songs for free. So that's a really incredible way. So those are three ways that you can capture their contacts at a show. Awesome. Yeah, that's so valuable. That's probably a good 90% of like his strategy of like just doing such a a good job of connecting with people at the shows, walking up to them, building relationships. The idea of taking pictures with them, like that seems like a really smart, smart move too, because now it's you have a picture together and and that's just a great way to, that you involve them and you have involve your face and like humans are pretty good at like our facial like recognition, something like a weird amount of our brain, like a huge chunk of our brain is just for looking at and interpreting people's faces and their facial expressions. So I think that's a super smart idea. And one thing we'll be talking about on the final day when I do the keynote is music NFTs. And as you were talking about this like idea from stage, have a freebie or have something really, really cool to give them in exchange for them signing up with their email address. I was imagining like, what if you had like a, a live performance NFT that you had like a limited amount of 
for each show, you say, hey, like I actually have someone recording this in the back of the room and we're creating an NFT from the show that you just witnessed tonight. If you want to have one of these like limited collectibles, then you can get it for free. Just go to this website and you can download it and I'll send you the replay of the show for free or something like that could be an interesting yeah. idea. You could potentially even sell those at the merch table where it's like, hey, you want one of the three NFTs that's like the live performance for the show. Yeah, um, heck yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. But really like the main thing is just asking, like making the offer. So I actually went to to get my, grab my song. What was it? Grabmysong.com. Oh yeah. And I saw your lighting pages. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Tiafo says, this segment is gold. Are there really 500 plus people in the chat? I'm not sure how many people are in the chat right now. I know we definitely have a few hundred people who are here live. Yeah. So it's cool because because you're getting some of the best, most current kind of gold nuggets of what's working right now. This is, we're catching the the wave. There's like a, this is the tsunami and we're all surfers and, and we have the benefit of collectively surfing together and catching the momentum from it. Super cool. How about we go to a Q&A segment? So we've got a bunch of questions coming in here. So one from Theodore Dalton who asked, um, how long should your set list be at a minimum and do you stretch things out to fill the time? Oh, great question. When I first started, I didn't quite have enough to fill out that last set because I usually a venue is going to want you to do three to four sets and those three to four sets are about 45 minutes long. So you do 45 minutes, 15 minutes off, 45 minutes on 15 minutes off. I would say you should definitely have four sets of music. I was able to do that in two weeks. I, it, I estimated it was about 45 songs. So I learned, was it three songs a day? And most songs aren't super difficult. So I did a combination of learning like pop songs and like modern pop songs have like two chords. So like you could learn like eight of those in a day. So, learn one uh, progression and you've learned like 50% yeah, like of the Every songs. modern pop song. When you're doing more like Michael Jackson, like Quincy Jones, like stuff produced by some of these kind of other types of, even Stevie Wonders type stuff, you might spend a whole day on a song. So I found a combination of picking songs that I knew had two to four chords. And then I would put like a really cool Michael Jackson song or some sort of Motown or whatever it was um, that I would put in that might take me a little bit more time to learn. So I found a combination of those things, but yeah, definitely you want to space it out and just, you can see the times whenever you're on your computer or your iPad, you can see how long a song is. So if the song's four minutes and you need 45 minutes of songs, you know, that's about 12 songs per set. So I would say to have at least four sets, but I will say, that I quite, I didn't quite have enough to fill out my very first performance when I started. So what I did was I repeated songs from my first set because I knew most people were not there for four hours. If I started something at eight, they're usually not still there at midnight. That's when I would do that. But I wouldn't recommend relying on that. Like just if you just have something that you have to get ready for, then you can do that. But make sure to have enough material and constantly be adding songs. If someone requests a song and you don't know it, write it down and learn it. Because the more that you can do a song that people know, like I've gotten people come to my piano and literally hundred for every song I know. And I'm like, heck yeah. I had one, literally one person, I think it was like six songs in a row. I just remember them dropping a hundred for every song that I knew. And I was like, what else wow. do you want to hear? <laughs> Sing and dance a little bit under the Magarena, whatever you want me to do at that point. But so it's just really cool to know. And it feels good. It feels good to know songs that people want to hear. Awesome. Yeah. Super smart. <laughs> Cool. Another question that came in, I think this is a really good one that probably a lot of people can relate with is, yeah, I really want to get good at playing live shows and improve my craft of performing on stage, but I also often struggle with anxiety. How do I overcome the anxiety that comes with getting up on stage and performing? Yeah. So that's a great question. So there's two things. One, don't feel bad. The first time I ever got on stage, I totally peed in my pants, like entirely. Like I, I was 12, which I'm, I'm, it was last year. No, I'm kidding. I was 12 <laughs> and I totally peed in my pants. It was so embarrassing. But the thing is, you have to do the thing to get good at the thing, right? There's not like you, you can read all about getting on stage, but you have to get on stage to do it. It's not going to be perfect and it's fine. And guys, when I first started, I used to shake. I remember one time getting on stage. I was singing At Last by Etta James and my voice, when I'm nervous, my voice shakes. It's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And I was singing and I was like, at last. And I just remember someone in the audience goes, you sound like a lamb. <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I was like, I know, like, I can't even be mad at them because they're right. Like I do, but you have to do the thing to get good at the thing. But the best thing that you can do to prepare is learn those songs because the last thing you want to do is go on stage and be thinking about, do I know the lyrics? Do I know the chords? Have I practiced this? 
practice in front of your mirror, do as much as you can to prepare to know the material. So that's one thing that you do have control over. Know your material, prepare. I usually have an iPad with lyrics on it too. So I have that as my backup. If you have to glance at it every now and then, that's great. No big deal. But do as much as you can preparation, practice as much as you can. You can also go to open mics where there's other people like yourself that are also just as nervous and scared as you. Because open mics usually are people that are starting out that don't do this professionally. Usually professionals don't go to open mics. So it's usually people that are just trying to get their feet wet. So something like that. And if you find other friends that are also just as nervous as you, invite them to your gigs because now you can support each other. And you know that there's a face in the audience that knows you. But I would just say you have, you do have, once again, prepare as much as you can, know the material, but do the thing to get good at the thing. There's Absolutely. no way around that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such good advice. And yeah. Like I, I know for us, like we, with the band, we, and I think this is the case most of the time. It's not like you just, your first show, like you go up on Webster hall and you just start performing. Like, you know, you start usually as a musician, you start by performing for yourself and maybe for your friends and family, like in their basement on their couch and you start playing for one or two people at a time and then maybe you muster up the courage to play at an open mic and you start doing that a little bit and then you actually you go on stage at a little bit bigger and it is just like a one step at a time and to christine's point the it, it seems like this is almost always the case is that the people who are the most successful who are like the super talented and they just seem like they're just gifted and they were always that good no matter what usually it seems like they they are that way because they were the ones who were willing to suck for long enough and be okay with sucking and not being good <laughs> until they didn't suck as much and they became better and better and that's something that, that's always stuck with me is if you're doing something new for the first time then you, if you're afraid or you're anxious about it, you're coming across, then maybe you're being a little too hard on yourself. And you should, and if you're okay with sucking and you're like, yeah, like this might just suck because my first time doing it, I don't know, like I'm going to do my best and I'm going to prepare it. And, and, but it's okay if you're not perfect, you don't have to be perfect. And if you're okay with it not being perfect, then if you don't pretend to be perfect, then you don't have to be perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's why those open mics are so good because there's plenty of people just like you there that are also trying to get over their nerves and anxiety and that sort of thing. So that's a really great place to start. Awesome. All right. Another question. I think you already answered this one actually was uh, Mama Studio asked, can you use backing tracks? So I think, yeah, you already answered that one. Like you can use them, but also if you have someone who can come and play along with you, that can give you some more credibility. Yeah, um, I actually recommend having backing tracks because those mm. just do really well. I've played at venues mm. that never had anyone play with backing tracks and they were like, oh my God, like <laughs> this was amazing. Everybody's dancing. I didn't know because usually they just had acoustic performers. Mm. But now all right. of a sudden people are spending more at the bar. I had an owner of a bar walk out with a few hundred dollars and just be like, here, because he was so happy. And he wow. said, nobody's ever played with tracks before. So mm. I definitely recommend playing with tracks because it, it gives like a whole band element without the band. But if you're a singer, bring in a guitarist or a piano player, bring in some other sort of, or even like a conga player or a drummer or something to accompany you because that live music aspect is, I think, really valuable. And it adds a lot of like value to the performance and people really like it. I do recommend using tracks, but I don't recommend just singing over tracks. Although I know people that do it and I know people yeah. that are successful at it. You're just going to get a better response when you at least have a musician with you or you play. Mm -hmm. That, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, honestly, the same thing applies to original shows and live performances as well. For I, I know when with Paradise for Years, like we, we had backing tracks because we didn't have an orchestra that we could bring on stage for some, for some of the songs. And they had a lot. Like they can really like take your performance from a B to like an A plus, right? Just by having like really high quality backing tracks. So finding that balance because... Yeah, th there's a balance to it, right? Like you, you could like literally lip sync an entire performance <laughs> and, or, and some people have done that before and then right. gotten some like a lot of slack when like they got caught like lip syncing. Right. So there is like a, a bit of a balance to it, but certainly like using backing tracks, especially when you're filling in the gaps for something that just isn't logistically, it doesn't make sense to have an orchestra coming with you can really add a lot to the performance. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Richard asked, do you need to memorize all the covers you're performing or is it okay if you can read the music and lyrics while you're performing? He actually said whilst you're performing. Whilst, fancy. whilst you're performing. Fancy words. Another great. Hey, Christine, I think I might've lost your audio. Is it just me or? Uh, oh, you're know. back now. Okay. Back? And it okay. looks like, yeah, audio cut off, but we're good now. Okay. Got it. Um, one thing that I will say is 
don't ever go up on stage with your phone. Okay. Just never do that. Never be like, Oh, don't be singing, looking at your phone. Do not ever do that under any circumstances. Okay. Cause I've seen people do that and I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> I thought you were about to sing the national anthem. Like you're yeah. like, we're going to be like, Oh, say, okay. <laughs> oh my God. That would be the worst. But Learn the songs as much as you can, but yes, there's going to be times where, especially if you're getting prepared for a gig and maybe you have never sung these songs before, where you're not going to memorize everything. What I usually do, I get an iPad holder and I put it on my, my mic stand. And usually people don't even really see it from the back. What you don't want is like a big book of lyrics that you're like turning the pages to, because that's going to look terrible. So you can have an iPad. I see some people do it with a phone where they do attach it to the mic stand though. Don't be holding it. They attach to mic stand. So that way you can step back and you can glance at it. You can step back and you can glance at it. So it's perfectly fine to use that to, to play along with, or especially if you're like playing keys or guitar at the same time, you forget stuff. Or if someone requests a song you haven't played in a long time, it's nice to have it. I use an app called My Lyric Book and I actually create all my charts all of them because I like to have things done my way, but you can use something like guitar tabs and you can actually, that's an app that you can use. You can actually bookmark, you know, lyrics and chords and stuff like that. And you can put them into lists and be able to access them while you're performing and that sort of thing. But you just don't want to be like, the thing is like why I like using my lyric book. If you guys find that is I have all the lyrics there and with one button, I can press the song and the song plays too. Cause you don't want all this space. It's so awkward when someone like finishes a song and then there's like a clap and then it's just, you just hear like clink, clink, clink. other things, baby crying in the background or, and then it's like quiet and everyone's like waiting and watching you. Some venues won't bring you back. They won't bring you back. If you do that, especially if you're like performing at a casino and everyone's like dancing and then they're waiting for you to perform. So you want to be able to move quickly through your, your set lists as well. Yep. To answer your question, it's fine. Just make sure you're not standing there staring at it. Like you're singing karaoke. Just use it as a reference. Totally makes sense. Awesome. Hey, Christine, uh, this has been, it's been super valuable. Thank you so much for what you do. And yeah, yeah, it wasn't the end of the world that like, I, I couldn't take you out in Costa Rica and murder you, but <laughs> yeah, I know it failed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know that your freebie that you prepared for, uh, for the audience is like related to being able to take everything we just talked about with live performing and actually put it into practice. And we actually have like exercises and worksheets and a workshop around getting your next cover gig and getting paid really well for it. I would love if you could uh, talk a little bit about the free workshop that you prepared for it and how people can learn more. Absolutely. Monday, I'm doing a, a free training where I'm showing everyone, we talked about how I used Frankie Moreno as an example, how he used his cover song gigs to build his email list. So I'm covering funnels and how you can use a funnel. You know, you can use funnels at your live gigs. You can use funnels to sell your original music. You can sell, use funnels to even sell tickets to your gigs. So I'll be covering that. But in there, I'm also going to be introducing a program that I put together called the Paid Performer Program, where I actually cover all the steps. So today I shared with you guys the steps. But if you have more questions and you want help, like every step of the way, I cover every step of the way, how to do every single thing even giving set lists. And we even have our agency that once people, you know, anybody that goes to our programs that is actually trained and ready to perform, and let's say wants to go on a cruise ship and travel the world and get paid to see awesome things and make money at the same time and perform for new people from all over the world. We now can actually book artists all over the world. So it's just really cool. So we, Monday, I'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about funnels. I'll be talking about how to actually, our program that we created to book paid shows. And then the next opportunity after that is if this was something that was exciting to somebody and they love the idea of traveling and seeing the world, we can then actually submit you to the cruise lines and get you booked. So it's a pretty cool uh, program that we have. And Monday, I will be sharing that. Yeah, it's super smart. I love it. And basically, it sounds like you've created this course and program in a way that you as an agent, you're essentially training up musicians how to be great entertainers and how to be successful preparing for these gigs so that you can give them these opportunities on the silver platter and actually get them booked for these gigs. So just a really awesome service. And yeah, like personally, I, I know how important, like really dialing in your live performance, even if you're someone who struggles with anxiety or it's like a little bit scary, like as a musician, live performance is like one of the most valuable skills that you can develop. 
And of quite a few of our clients and our artists, they have six-figure incomes that are primarily built on playing these kinds of shows. Um, I, I think it's a really awesome opportunity. Appreciate you putting together these resources. And also, I think that yeah, you know, when you attend the workshop, it sounds like there's this complimentary training that's really around like funnel building. And we talked so much throughout the conference already, and there's more to come to around like this idea of building funnels and not relying on a platform that someone else owns, Facebook, like where Mark Zuckerberg owns your audience, but actually building a platform with a funnel that you own. And, and instead of getting paid half a penny per stream, you actually can earn a lot more per person that you're sending through your funnel. And I think that's really, I remember when you gave the presentation, it was like really good. And it was all about that idea of like, how do you actually maximize the value of where you're sending people? I would highly encourage you to check out, it looks like Ari posted it in the chat, get access to the free workshop. And Christine, thank you so much again. You're awesome. And any final thoughts or words of wisdom for the group here? Yeah, sure. Last thing I would say is, guys, anybody that wants to do this, it doesn't matter where you're from, where you live, how old you are. One of my oldest students is 63 years old. He started at 63. It's not like he'd been doing this for a long time. And he booked his first $10,000 show in 60 days. So in two months. Wow. So this is possible for anybody, no matter where you are, no matter what you have or don't have, no matter your age. If you have the ability to perform and the ability to get on stage, then you have the ability to get paid to perform. So it's really awesome. So I would encourage everybody here. And thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Modern Musician Ari, Stephen, the whole Modern Musician team. Thank you guys for having me. And hope this was helpful to everybody. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.